Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to the Faith Focus Weekly Discipleship Podcast. My name is Kevin Rognes, and I'm the Discipleship Director here at Faith Covenant Church. I just want to thank you for taking the time to watch or to listen to this today. And I want to remind you, as always, to make sure you subscribe to our podcast, whether you're on YouTube or any of the podcasting platforms, just to make sure that you never miss any of our weekly content. So if you ever have any questions about anything that we're doing or have ideas of things that you want us to talk about or questions you want us to engage with, uh, please let me know. My email address is listed in the episode description down below. So uh, please send me a note um, of whatever that it is that you may want us to talk about. So over the last few episodes, we've been talking about temptation in a variety of different ways. Um, and today we're going to wrap up that conversation with Pastor Sarah Sosa. Hello. You are a family and children or family and youth ministries. I know the what, title do I, what do I do? Yeah. <laughs> it's family ministries pastor. Okay. Yeah. I knew it was something family was in the word of it. That's so. a global name. Yeah. 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 Because I think when you, or when I started two years ago, I think you're titled then children's. children's pastor. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. So I oversee children's and youth now, but we have Davy. So. Yes. It, it, more, more, I just help with the strategy behind youth I'm, and I'm hands on with the children. Yeah. The families. So Sarah's great. We love her. We have Aww. we love having her. Thanks. So um, I wanted to bring Sarah on because temptation is a really big conversation. Um, it's one that we all need to have. Um, but as with any conversation, things get a little bit more complicated. Or not mm-hmm. complicated, but um, it's just a different conversation when you're having these conversations with kids, especially. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of why I wanted to bring Sarah with us because, you know, I don't have kids, and that makes me very aware of the fact that I don't know how we should, we should, uh, or what things to be aware of when talking about temptation mm-hmm. with kids, because it can be kind of a scary thing to talk about with kids. Um, I know some kids have had a lot of fear about that. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, our we we don't want it to be a fearful thing, but yeah. that's kind of getting into the conversation before we've started it. So then, the first question I guess I have then is. What have you learned over the years about how to talk to temptation? How about how to talk to kids about temptation? Yeah, I think um, a good starting place for that topic, and to be honest, a bunch of other topics, is to know um, how the people in your family system are wired. Mm. So, starting with you as a person, and then you as a of a parent or as a grandparent, if your um, grandparents are watching, um, just just to think like, how would you want to be spoken to about this topic? Um, how were you spoken to about this topic? Did anybody teach you when you were young and how did they teach you? And was it scary the way they taught you? Just to take a moment to reflect on some of those big topics and how, how, how did you become aware? And you might not have any memory of it, but it's worth it to just kind of sit and think, hmm, how did my parents talk to me about that? Um, and let that inform you. Like, was that a good way that they talked to you or not? Lots of times we bring how we were parented into our parenting. And so doing the work of saying, you know, that was good. I liked that when my parents did that. Mm-hmm. I want to do that too. Or that was actually really damaging. And I've spent a lot of money in therapy <laughs> <laughs> trying to undo that. I'm not doing that. You know, yeah. well, there's a spectrum there. So uh, always starting kind of with yourself. Um, because the calmer you can be in an important conversation with kids um, of any age, whether they're little or elementary or or uh, uh, you know, middle school, high school students, um, the the more sort of peaceful and calm, calm you can be about a topic, the more accessible it's going to be to everybody. 
if your kids can see that you're nervous or freaked out or angry or any of those emotions that that are off-putting that you might not it might your tone of voice might be fine and the words you're choosing might be fine but if your body language is agitated and upset and tense yeah. kids are definitely going to pick up on that so you might be saying this is not a big deal with words but if your body's communicating something else they're at the, at the very least going to be confused, right? Um, and they'll often track the negative instead of the positive. Yeah. So just, um, you know, the thing about temptation is rooted in sin, and we're all sinners. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a, a great, once you've done this sort of check on yourself and how you're wired, diving actually into the topic and boiling it down to the simplest space that everybody can stand in will give you the jumping off place, and then it's going to... From there, how you talk about it's going to depend on the age of your kids and how they're wired. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of subjectivity yeah. <laughs> how to have this conversation. <laughs> so I'll let you ask another question. Yeah, well, along those lines, and you've already addressed a couple, um, but what are some of the best practices when it comes to talking to kids about temptation? You've yeah. already mentioned, you know, check your body language, check um, what things you grew up with and, and that sort of thing. What other things would you maybe suggest? Yeah, um, you know, again, depending on on the age of your kids, um, just being honest and saying, you know, like, this is a really hard topic for me, too. Or mm-hmm. I struggled with this when I was your age. Some A little bit of honesty is really good because then it helps kids realize, oh, my mom and dad um, aren't maybe aren't perfect, but they, they get me. They, yeah. They've been here, you know, and they, they can relate to it. Um, and that can create sort of a space of safety mm-hmm. or, or a safer environment uh, for kids. So that... That's something that I would think about. Um, again, how you choose your words and things. You know, you're not going to say the same things to a preschooler that you might say to a 15-year-old. <laughs> you know, and that is all cognitive development stuff. And most of that's intuitive for parents. You kind of get, I need to use easy words here. I can go a little deeper here. Um, and it might be guided by the questions your kids asked. So, you know, um, as, you're, as you're getting into the topic together, um, let their natural curiosity guide you. And if you have been able to set up in your home an atmosphere where questions are welcome um, and they're okay and they're normal and they're a part of everyday life and I have questions and you have questions and one of the smartest things we could do is ask our questions and there's no dumb question and all all of those kinds of messaging, um, then when you get into a conversation where some serious questions need to be asked, your kids will feel more, uh, more like it's okay for them to ask the questions that they have realizing we don't always have the answers as adults Mm -hmm. so also like being strong enough in your in your own inner person to be able to say wow that's a great question i don't have the answer for that but let's see if we can find it you know and so you know again it's it's just um it's this experience of um sort of honoring each other and 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 it can be really guided by how would you want to be treated in that situation if you were with having a conversation with a spouse or a coworker or a best friend um, about an important topic. You would want to be heard. You would want to be validated in your feelings. You wouldn't want someone to make fun of you. You wouldn't, I mean, we could go through a whole list of things of what would feel good to you. Well, chances are really good. Those are going to feel good to your kids too. Yeah. 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 So when we talk about temptation, we kind of, we can't really talk about temptation without talking about sin. Mm-hmm. And we often can't talk about sin without talking about shame. <laughs> so how do we talk about temptation with younger people without 
bringing components of shame into mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. Well, I, I guess I, I'll, uh, the best way to answer that would be to say how I would do it. Um, and it may or may not resonate with other people, but to, to start with, um, you know, to be able to break something down, anger, temptation, some of the, all, the negative things that we tend to do in life, it's all rooted in sin. And, and it's um, making sure that kids understand the scripture is very clear that we are all sinners. Mm -hmm. The only human being who ever, ever, ever walked the earth who had no sin was Jesus himself the son of God. <laughs> so mm -hmm. that should make all of us go, oh, okay. <laughs> you know, it's not just me. <laughs> I'm not the son of God and everybody else who, that I have ever met and will ever meet in my life is in the same boat that I'm in. So normalizing it a little bit, not, not necessarily saying it's okay that we sin, but it's just a sort of a fact of human life where we don't get it right yeah. all the time. Kids absolutely understand that. They're, they're born, we're all born with this innate sense of right and wrong. Um, and, and so you don't, have to, you don't have to teach a toddler that it's not right if somebody hits them and takes their truck. Mm -hmm. they, they intuitively know that that was not a good thing right. to do, right? So, so sort of building on that and, and those ideas of um, that we make mistakes. We do things that God wouldn't want us to do. Um, and that's really the root of sin is, is, is choosing to do something opposite of what God would want for us. So when that's the starting point for temptation, then you're introducing the idea that, um, that we, we will go through life and we might have this idea to do something that's contrary to what God wants us to do. In other words, sin. Um, and I think, you know, here you're, tr so, some of the trick is, is to cultivate um, with kids the ability to recognize that inner voice um, and identify it as, you know, to be able to say, is that God's voice or not, mm. right? Is, is it something I'm saying to myself? Is it something somebody else is telling me to do? Or is this what God wants for me? Um, and that takes a little bit of practice. And really what you're trying to do... It takes a lot of practice well, sometimes. <laughs> what you're trying to do is give your kids a vocabulary, yeah. a vocabulary around an understanding around something that they already know how to do. Right, and so it's it's pulling to the surface a God-given um, part of who we are as human beings yeah. is to hear His voice, um, and so helping kids to know that. So, for instance, when we're in Sunday school classroom and I'm teaching, um, and I might say uh, use this example to the kids: Have any of you ever, um, you know, thought about doing something and then thought to yourself, "Oh, I don't know if that's a good idea." Right? And, and every one of them, hands up, right? I mean, that's such a common experience. We do it all the time. Kids do it, adults do it. Um, and then and I'll say, what, what do you think it is that's in you that's telling you that might not be a good idea? Right? right. What's, what's making you think and wonder about it? Um, and that's a way to, to lift up what I think um, is the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, which is trying to whisper to us, bad idea. Yeah. <laughs> right <laughs> and if we can identify that if we can get good at identifying it it will be easier to with, withstand temptation um, and and so I I uh, brought up on my phone before we sat down the great verse in the Bible it it, it won't make sense with little kids but elementary age and older First um, Corinthians uh, chapter 10 verse 13 no temptation has overtaken you except what is common to humans so, so right there, like it, it's this idea of like the commonality of sin, right? There's, mm -hmm. there's no temptation that you or I or our kids 
um, or the kids in our lives uh, will meet that hasn't already been out and about in the world. Right. right? This, this is not a new thing. It's not a cabin thing. It's not. <laughs> it's just a thing, right? Um, and God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. And that's the thing is we might have that temptation, um, but we're not alone. This piece of scripture shows us that God's with us and that he's going to give us a way out if we choose to take it. Sometimes we don't. Sometimes we choose to give in to the temptation to do the thing that we know we're not supposed to do or shouldn't do. But the more we can get good at identifying, uh, is this something that's going to honor God? Is this something that's going to honor my family? You know, there's some other ways to ask that question. Um, Then we realize, okay, there's a way to get out of or bypass or step away from this thing that I really shouldn't be doing. Mm -hmm. It's a big, huge concept for us as adults. Yeah. (laughs) It's a fairly simple concept for kids because their lives aren't as full of messy as ours are. Mm -hmm. And they haven't seen... Most of our kids, I should say it this way, haven't seen, like, the day-in and day-out ugliness of the world. Right. They're fairly protected. Um, and as they get older, layers of that innocence comes off, right? They're, yeah. they're in public school. They're on sports teams. They're watching TV. They're listening to music. They're on social media eventually, you know, all those things. And everything's just another layer off, another layer off. I, I have to say that was maybe one of the most painful things as a parent. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, no, I just, you want to like, <laughs> I didn't want them to be aware keep, of that. Keep them from it. But yeah. at some point they have to step up to it. And the nice thing is typically speaking, their brains are developing um, as, as this exposure is happening and they're getting places where they can handle it. But knowing that they can talk to us about it, that, that, that we're not going to laugh at them, the shame idea, right? Like, oh, I'm so glad that you shared that with me. That is really hard. Mm-hmm. Just totally doesn't leave any room for shame, right? Like, it's it's just a, it's, this is a great conversation. Let's talk about this, you know, however you can encourage and support and um, quite honestly praise your kids for being willing to have a conversation about a tough, to- tough topic with you is, that's just gonna, you know, it's gonna help um, bolster them and it will, continue to leave the door open for other conversations down the road that mm-hmm. you want to be having. Yeah. Well, and something that you just said actually prompted another question that we hadn't talked about earlier. Okay. But um, I, I've been thinking a lot recently, even though I don't have kids, of where is the line between sheltering your kids from mm-hmm. tempting influences, whether it's things in film or in TV or music, mm-hmm. um, objectionable things that are in the school systems, Um, do you choose to homeschool or go to a private school or these things? Where is that line between putting a wall Mm -hmm. between anything that might tempt your child and the world? Or, that's not the way to phrase it. How do you determine what to shelter your kids Mm -hmm. from and what exposure to allow them to have and how to teach them to navigate that? Mm -hmm. Because one of the things I've seen happen is... Sometimes when a child is overly sheltered, when they get out into the real world in like college or whatever, and suddenly mm-hmm. the parents' boundaries that have been set are no longer there, mm-hmm. I've seen that go a variety of different ways, <laughs> yeah. some of them not being so great. Yeah. yeah so, yeah. How, I mean, and, and, I, and I know that's different, going to be different for every family, mm-hmm. but how do you think through that and process, okay, mm-hmm. what do I, what temptations do I allow my kids to experience to learn from? And which ones do I absolutely shelter them from? Yeah. 
Okay, so parenting style matters, um, and, and you alluded to it already. Um, we know that overly permissive parents, the parents who don't set up any boundaries for their kids, but they're super warm and friendly, like they're your best friend kind of parents, uh, kids who come from that family system and the opposite spectrum, parents who are really, really strict and, um, and kind of cold in, in the way they relate to their kids, um, kids from both of those families are the ones who typically come off the rails once they get outside of that family system mm -hmm. um, because they don't know how to build their own boundaries or because they're breaking free from yeah. oppressive boundaries. So sometimes you, you Oppressive you boundaries be, that are sometimes well-meaning. Yes, absolutely. Um, and, and when you're parenting, you're never like stuck in one spot on the spectrum. You're kind of moving. Yeah. There are times when you are going to be the buddy-buddy warm friend with your kid because it's fun and, and the moment yeah. calls for that. There are times when you're going to be the buck stops here, you know, authoritarian parent who's, who says, absolutely not, you may not walk into the street where cars are going by, right? <laughs> you may idea. not put that in an outlet. You know, like right. there are, there are drop dead, kind, mm -hmm. I mean, pardon the time, the pun, but you know, it, it's, there are moments when you have to lay down the law, but generally speaking, you want to be somewhere in the middle of those where you, where you're, you still have authority as a parent, um, but you have authority with warmth. So you're approachable as an authoritative figure. And uh, kids who grow up in that environment tend to have a better sense of how to manage their lives when they leave their family systems. So parenting style is going to matter. Um, and I think, too, if, if you think of your kids, uh, you know, they're a gift, right? And, and they're in your family forever, um, but they're in your home for a while. And, and if you think of the home as sort of like a... <laughs> I don't know, like an incubator lab, you know, like it's, it's a chance um, to, um, to help them grow and, and develop the skills they're going to need for life and to discover who it is that God made them to be, right? Mm -hmm. And those are some of the primary things we're trying to do as parents. And we know if we do everything for our kids, they don't develop those skills. They don't get to flex their own muscles. Mm -hmm. And when they leave our home, they're, they're going to have a hard time. Mm -hmm. um, we see that happen on our college campuses all over the place. Uh, kids who weren't expected to do certain things for themselves or weren't taught how to do them for themselves simply don't know how to do them. <laughs> um, and, it, and it's messy and it's hard. And, and um, you know, you get kids who want to come home two weeks into the semester because, because they're, they're just so um, out of their elements, so to speak. Um, and so you're trying to give them tools, um, a, a worldview that's going to be an anchor for them, for us. That'd be a Christian worldview. Um, and, and the idea of being a follower of Jesus gives you a compass for choice and, and the type of friends you want to hang out with, things you watch on TV, like all of that stuff. Um, and, uh, and really just um, trying then to give them the social skills they need, but also that, that idea of, I can't tell you how many teenagers I've talked to where I've said, um, you know, when somebody says something negative about you, you don't have to receive that. Mm. And they're like, what? <laughs> like it doesn't, it doesn't occur to them that they don't have to internalize negative messages mm. until somebody gives you permission not to. Right. right? And again, that's identifying the voice of God in your life. Is God going to say anything bad about you? No. My goodness, no. You're his yeah. creation. He picked you and he built you the way that he built you and he gave you all the characteristics you have. You're an important part of the body of Christ. Mm -hmm. You're in your space for this moment because he wants you there. Right. For no other reason. He wants you there. And so if somebody says anything against that, it cannot be the voice of God. Right. It just can't. Yeah. So even just equipping your kids with that 
gives them something to withstand temptation and some of the negativity in their lives. So you're just um, trying to protect, yes, um, but also give space for them to try things and fail. The family system's a great place to be where you make mistakes if your system is ready to love you and embrace you through the, through the messiness of life. Um, when our kids, when my kids got to um, high school, we, um, we tried a little more of a hands-off approach. And senior year, we went way hands-off <laughs> because we knew they were going to be transitioning to something else. Mm-hmm. And we thought, now's their chance to try and still have the safety net of our home and, and parents around them um, if they make a bad choice, right? And so um, our kids were a little frustrated by that because they were used to us helping them mitigate things and, and think through things. And so, um, you know, like Emma would say to me, do you think I should do this? And I'd say, I don't know, should you do that? <laughs> and she, she's like, but, well, just tell me what you think. <laughs> and I'm like, well, I can share with you what I think, but what do you think first? You yeah. know, and, and I'm happy to help you think through the good ideas and the bad ideas, pros and cons of this, and you know, do, do that process. But in the end, it's her decision. Mm-hmm. But she was used to it being an us decision. Yeah. And for some of our kids, they're used to it being a your decision, <laughs> not <laughs> <Yeah>. mine, right? <laughs> and so it was senior year for us was a chance uh, for them to really now try to put some of these skills mm-hmm. into practice in the safety of home before they went off. So you can think of this permissiveness, or um, that's not the word, but protectiveness as, as something that gets less and less, right? The more independent you, your kids get, the less protective you need to be. And the more dependent they are, the more protective. So yeah. you think of it as a continuum like that. When they're babies, you have to do everything for them. <laughs> like they can't, they, yes. they, can't you know, they can't survive without you. But when they're teenagers, they can. They yeah. can survive without you. Um, but, but they still need you around. Yeah. Um, that's another thing I would say that's not super related necessarily to the topic, but um, we buy into the idea as parents that our kids don't want or need us anymore when they get to middle school, high school especially, and it's simply not true. No. There, there's no research anywhere that supports that idea. Mm-hmm. Um, that's all anecdotal, it's cultural, and it's just, it's just not true. Parents have the number one influence in the lives of their kids. Yeah. Full stop. Yeah. Um, so don't don't release that. Well, right? I would say even as adults, <laughs> parents have a strong influence. Yeah, like, yeah. Even though I don't necessarily need my parents to help me make decisions anymore, like, they're still valuable parts of my life. Like, yes. I want to involve them when things happen. And, like, my parents still help out with their children when my when my siblings who have kids need something. My parents are still involved. They're still Absolutely. there. So. Yep. And, you know, my dad's 83. Um, I'm 53. And I still love calling him when I accomplish something. Yeah. Because I just want to hear him be happy for me. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it still matters, and I'm yeah. a grown woman, right? Yeah. So, yeah, for sure. Uh, cultivate those relationships and, and um, safeguard those safe spaces to have conversations um, so that you have that, that lifelong sort of input in your kids' lives, um, even when you release them to the big, bad world. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> kind of hard. Yeah. Um, so I'd also say that like temptation can be extremely nuanced. And we talked about this a little bit already with kind of the layers of innocence being shed as kids get older and learn more about the world. Um, how do you navigate that, that loss of innocence and those layers or those, um, nuances of temptation as they come in? Mm -hmm. Sometimes parents may not know about it, um, especially if the kids are in 
school and stuff, you don't know what they're being tempted by in a lot mm -hmm. of cases if the kids are spending time away from the home. Mm -hmm. How do you navigate some of that? Yeah. Uh, you know, it, assuming that you live day in and day out around your kids, uh, which would be different for a shared custody home, so that's why I prefaced it that way. If you have significant exposure to your kids, you will know some things intuitively about them and you'll be able to see changes in behavior that might be concerning or, or maybe just enough that you're like, huh, that's, that was an interesting reaction. Mm -hmm. And that's an opportunity then to try to have a conversation. And that's again where if you've built this atmosphere in your home where questions are good, conversations are good, um, making mistakes are opportunities to learn um, if, if, if you're in the positive on all of that, then you, you have footing to come around and say, hey, notice this about you the other day, and can you tell me something about that? You know, and just invite the conversation. You might not get it on the first ask, <laughs> but keep asking, right? Yeah. And remember that, um, especially teenagers, um, their emotions are big. Um, their entire, every system in their body is coming fully online at the same time. Right, we're talking cognitive development. We're talking, um, you know, their bodies are growing. We're talking all the hormones and and that stuff. Um, spirituality also big open window at, in in the adolescent years. Uh, curiosity about spiritual things, and so every system literally is coming online. They're overwhelmed, yeah. and they cannot adequately put into words what's going on because they don't really fully understand what's going on, right? <laughs> All they know is they don't feel good, or they feel weird, or they're yeah. angry, or they're moody, but they may not even be able to articulate why. Mm -hmm. So just having some grace for that moment. Um, and, and, you know, when, when kids grunt at you or only say two or three words when they used to, you know, sit down and talk to you for half an hour, um, is, 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 it's related to this, right? This idea that they're, they're, their systems are completely overloaded. And so having some empathy for that, a mm. little bit of a sense of humor for that um, is, uh, is super important. And don't give up, parents. Mm -hmm. Do not give up. Just because you ask one day how was school and you don't get an answer, don't stop asking. Um, I, I was absolutely floored uh, when I was doing youth ministry back in the 90s. And um, I did a couple of like focus group conversations with moms, just talking to them about what, you know, what, what they hope for their kids, um, and in particular their teenagers. And um, so they were talking, they were happy to talk about that. And, and they were like, we, we just, we so want to be a part of their lives, but we don't know how to do it. Mm. That was, that was the, that was the big thing. Like, we just don't know how, how much to insert ourselves or not. Right. Yeah. And then had a couple of conversations with my high school students about parents and, and so they're talking about different things, but the thing they said the most was, we want our parents involved, but we don't know how to invite them. Mm. And I was like, oh my goodness, let's just <laughs> get you in the same room. <laughs> like they wanted the same thing, yeah. and they didn't know how to communicate it to one another. Yeah. And that was such an encouragement to me, just to, just to realize, fight past those barriers of communication. Um, and if you've got little kids at home, you can help that down the road by making conversations of any kind safe and welcome in your home. Mm -hmm. um, and when kids know that you can be trusted, that you're going to treat them with dignity, that you're, that you're a person of integrity, you're not going to be hypocritical in what you say, mm -hmm. you're not going to tell them to do one thing and you go do another thing. Um, w when you're clear with them, honest with them, and, and honorable with them, 
they will know as teenagers, I can come to my mom, I can come to my dad with this. Yeah. Um, and that's a true gift. So one question that I we asked right before we started talking, or that I asked Sarah before we started talking was about um, what resources are available to parents in talking about temptation. I just really liked what you said about that. So yeah. what resources do we have available to parents I'm so as glad you they asked. talk about uh, <laughs> temptation? <laughs> yeah, when I read that question, I, uh, I was like, oh, that's a good question. And so then, of course, I went looking for resources for you. Um, and I... I uh, I typically look at connected families um, because they have so many good things about all mm. kinds of stuff. They didn't have anything specifically on temptation, but they do have lots of good resources in general. And so I just, I, I just recommend that resource in and of itself, not necessarily for this topic, but they, they have a lot of good uh, resources for parents on how to have good conversations with kids, which we've talked about, how to create a safe environment, how to build relationships, how to, how to connect with your children, um, no matter what age they are, like mm -hmm. the, their their parenting technique is uh, is fantastic. So it is worth it. So that's Connected Families is the name of the organization. They're based here in the Twin Cities. Um, but outside of that, um, you know, there are some good books. Not necessarily to talk about temptation, but if you got little kids, books can also help with big topics, mm -hmm. big feelings, big ideas. I have some in my office. You're welcome to borrow them. Um, and then I, you know, I thought, well, you could do what I did. You could Google. Um, and maybe you'll find some good resources, maybe not. Um, and I think that'll come down to whether or not you're like wired as a researcher, because <laughs> our research people know uh, what resources are reliable and which ones are kind of not so much. Mm -hmm. um, and so Google's always kind of um, you're taking a chance, right? Yeah. Is, is is something good can come up unless you know what you're looking for? Um, but here's the one, the Bible. Right, the so Bible it's like the, is the Sunday best school answer, for us? right? Like <laughs> just knowing scripture, in particular um, the New Testament. If you're not a Bible scholar, and and the whole and the idea of knowing the Bible well intimidates you, focus in on the New Testament. In particular, focus in on the Gospels. Uh, they they tell the stories of Jesus. You can watch his example. You can see how he taught. You can see how he was with people. You can see how he tackled big conversations with mm -hmm. the disciples and other people that he encountered. And it, and it gives a, just a lot of ideas and role models for how we can do those same kinds of things. Granted, we're not the son of God, uh, but he is giving us the very best example that's worth following. Um, and then outside of the Gospels, you see uh, leaders in the church moving forward. And so you can think to yourself, what was Paul thinking when he suggested this? What was Timothy thinking? Um, what was Mary thinking? You know, like whoever it is who's got words for us, um, it, it's just worth sitting with that. And so um, knowing the truths that are in the Bible, the more you know who Jesus is, um, the more equipped you're going to be to introduce your kids to Jesus mm -hmm. um, and allow him to become an anchor in their lives. If, if you're not working on your relationship with Jesus and you tell your kids they need to be working on theirs, they're going to sniff that out, yep. <laughs> right? They're going to know that what you're saying isn't congruent with what you're telling them to do. So make sure you have integrity um, and be honest. If you're new to this thing, you know, then say, I'm figuring this out. I'm going to do the best I can for you because yeah. you're so important to me. Kids appreciate messages like that for sure. So scripture, mm -hmm. I think honestly is, is the best starting point for this topic because again, temptation's rooted in sin. And Bible has lots to say about all of those things and how we can overcome it. So. Yeah. And then, of course, there's also, I mean, there's the Bible and there's the body, the body of Christ. Like uh, yes, absolutely. We are all 
a resource, yep. both just on staff, but also just the wider yeah. community at Faith, at Faith Covenant or any church. For sure. Yeah, and, and actually, you know, when you're thinking about the Bible, um, I was going to say, um, just get the Bible app on your phone if you don't already have yeah. it. Uh, it's basic. Uh, it, you have uh, multiple translations at your fingertips, which can be helpful for understanding a piece of text if you're not a big Bible scholar, you didn't grow up with reading the Bible, all that kind of thing. Or if you're like me and you know the Bible says something like this somewhere, but you don't remember <laughs> exactly what and exactly where, yep. their search engine's so good. Um, so you can just you know click on their little magnifying glass, just type in the words you remember. Mm-hmm. They don't even have to be like a full sentence or a full phrase. And chances are so good that the scripture you're looking for is going to come up. Yep. in the search results, and and then you'll get to the passage you want to get to. Then you can highlight it. You'll be able to find <laughs> it the next time. Yep. Um, so I highly rec- recommend that, the Bible app. And then Kevin's 100% right. We're not supposed to do life on our own. No. supposed to do it together, even though we live in an individualistic culture. Uh, God creates us for relationship and community. And so find your people. Mm-hmm. Uh, could be your family of origin. could be a group of friends. could be a small group at church. Um, for sure, we hope um, at Faith Covenant, you see um, everyone on the staff is on your team mm-hmm. um, and part part of your people. Um, we love getting together with people for coffee, lunch, breakfast, whatever it is that you dessert. may need. <laughs> dessert. <laughs> anything. Ice cream. Any excuse to, uh, to spend dessert time with you. It doesn't have to be after a meal. Yeah. It can be a mid-afternoon snack. It can be That's anything, fine. really. <laughs> yeah. And just to... And it doesn't have to be when you feel like you're in crisis. It could be right. anything. Like, yeah. and Just spend time with us. We love spending time with you. And if you're looking for a resource or trying to noodle through an idea, we can help you do that. We'd love to do that. So, yeah. Well, any closing thoughts that you want to remind us of before we sign off? Um, I don't think so. You know, uh, I'm here for you as parents and grandparents. And uh, please see us as a resource. See me as a resource. And if I don't know the answer to something, I'll, I'll help. Then we're in danger. Help try to find. <laughs> no, well, I'll, I'll go Google it for you. Um, I'll, I'll help try to find something. I know lots of people. We know yep. lots of people, yep. right? So if I don't have the answer, there's probably three or four other people I could quickly contact. And say, hey, what do you think about this topic? And again, that's the beauty of the body of Christ working together, and so we can support each other that way. Yeah. Sounds great. Well, I just want to thank you, Pastor Sarah, for joining us today. Thank all of you who are watching or listening. And as always, make sure you hit the subscribe button. In the meantime, I hope you have a wonderful, blessed day and a wonderful week. Until next time, have a great day. Bye.